0: Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and this is the Who Not How podcast with my great creative, psychological, lifetime buddy, Ben Hardy.
1: Happy to be with you, Dan.
0: (laughs) Ben, this is a concept that just keeps going and going and going. I mean, the number of examples that I have with this concept and just the different ways people use it, you really see people's unique ability coming out when they're given the tool that they can have any kind of goal that they want, but they don't have to do any of the activities to get to the goal that is not their actual specialty. So it just identifies all the who's that they need, who should do the how's that actually get them to where they're going.
1: Can you provide any recent examples that you've seen that have been exciting to you, Dan?
0: Yeah, and this happened yesterday and it blew everybody away. So we have a client named Paul Heiss who is originally from Milwaukee, and he's a manufacturer of parts for large industrial processes, like it would be like Caterpillar and John Deere and oil companies with big machinery. And he did a visit to China probably about 10, 12 years ago, and he realized the processes that he created was about 10 years ahead of the Chinese market, anything in the Chinese market. So he, in a very short period of time, actually created three factories in China and they've been extraordinarily successful but they've run into the wall of the tariff war and he doesn't think the tariff war is going to be a short war he thinks the tariff war is going to be forever and 25 percent just takes away his profit margin so he said we've got to move our operations as quickly as we can to another country but in fact, it's turned out that he doesn't have to do this. And I think it's a really interesting thing. What he's going to do is he's going to keep his factories in China and he's got a new approach. But what he's done, he's creating factories in India. And he identified, just taking a look at what all the obstacles are, all the hows that it would have to do, and it was very discouraging. But he said, Well, I'm thinking about it me doing it, but what if I just found who's to do it? And long story short, in a space of about six months, he's found eight other who's who handle every single aspect of not only moving his operations, but creating entirely new operations in India. And he said, I will not spend probably more than about two or three days of my time actually talking through the people who actually do this thing. And he said, and we've already, since January 1st, he said, we've already produced as much in India, about 60% as much in India already in the first year as that we're going to produce in China in our best year. And then immediately it freed him up to actually stop playing defense in China. And then he started talking about all the advantages he had in China that other Chinese companies didn't have. So he's still getting the same amount of business as before. But it forced him to economize and to increase his productivity and he said, Well, I'm using who not how to give myself a safeguard in India, but he says I can use the same thinking process. So he's just applied it to his already existing process. He says we've probably made in productivity jumps what's going to offset the twenty five percent tariff. So anyway it's a That's
1: exciting. Great story. I'm, yeah. I love the story. I'm wondering, did he explain, like let's just rewind. Like so How long ago did he find these eight who's?
0: He found them over about a two and a half month period. Once he said himself that he wasn't going to do any of the how. He says that this requires me doing any of the how. I'm just not going to do it. And these are all Indians.
1: Oh, so he got Indians to be the who's? He has
0: one project manager that's from his operation in China. And it's kind of like a person who would know every part that was required. And that person went out and found the seven who's. And he said, it's already the buzz is going through the Indian markets, you know, the manufacturing markets that there's this new player in town and he's got all these neat techniques and he's bringing entirely new processes into India. Anyway, it's just a really interesting thing that when an entrepreneur just decides that any goal is possible as long as you don't have to do the actual house to pull off the goal then all sorts of amazing things happen now I'll go one step further he's actually documenting this process of moving an entire manufacturing process or the knowledge of a manufacturing process into India, and he's documenting it, and he says, when I'm finished here, I'm gonna go into Egypt. When I'm finished here, I'm gonna go into Africa. I'm gonna do the same thing, he says, because all I have to do is have the what and why goal. He said, I don't have to do any of the movement, and I've got a game plan for doing it. So, playing defense, dealing with a problem, He turned it around, created the solution. He says, now I can multiply the solution.
1: So is he going to still use that same guy in China to then move into Egypt, or is he going to find some other who that can find all of the right who's?
0: Well, he's actually an American. He's actually an American who is in China with him. So he's actually an American.
1: But that who, who's an American out in China, is... That's
0: going to be his new job.
1: (laughs) That who is the guy who finds the right who's.
0: That guy just, his (laughs) who-ness is that he's... (laughs) He's the who who knows how to find other who's.
1: <laughs> that's a great who to find. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, his who-ness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> his royal who-ness. Yeah. That's great. And I have
0: five others that I've acquired this week because I had some of my top entrepreneurs in this week. Do you want to jump into
1: another story if that's the case?
0: Yeah, and it's a guy named Steve Krein. He's from Manhattan, New York. And um, real quick story, he... In his 20s, just got into the dot-com thing and creating advertising online and had the foresight that about six months before the crash, when the whole dot-com market down, he had an IPO and he got a big payday, which basically put him in his 30s, that he could basically explore what he really wanted to do. He's very, very interested in healthcare. So long story short, where he is right now, he's created the first global entirely entrepreneurial R&D system in the world where he actually has 300 startup entrepreneurial companies all in the area of some breakthrough medical healthcare solution. And he had actually created what it takes to take a company from startup to IPO through his own experience, so he just cloned it. Okay, and so they're all in that, and he's got a fund. On the other side, he created a fund where really, really big institutions like big pharmaceutical companies, big hospital systems, big medical technology companies are investing money into his fund because it's really cheap because they get access to 300 R&D experiments in the world and they don't have to manage any of it because his coaching program manages the whole thing. And step by step, every part of it, he just, as he's grown this, you know and it will be easily in the hundreds of millions of dollars going into these startups but each of the startups is a pure entrepreneurial r&d so this isn't a bureaucratic r&d this is not an academic r&d this is not a government r&d it's all pure entrepreneurism so they don't have any of the log jams the red tape they don't have any of the pushback And each of those companies is a who who is actually working on a crucial how that leads to a breakthrough. And he just controls it from the center. And it's all idea-driven. It's all, he's just saying the what and why in about eight different sectors. And he actually says, I just have a scorecard of whether someone's actually a collaborator. And he said, if that person is, then I just outline the what and why that I would like that person to be who would actually do the house on it. Yeah. You know?
1: So for someone who's, you know, an entrepreneur in the last example or just in any case, how much information or knowledge do they have to get in order to actually find a right who? You know what I mean? In his case he had to kind of have some form of knowledge of the industry, you know what I mean, that he was getting into to find the right who.
0: He has a brother who is very, very much into healthcare. But it's surprisingly available. I mean, you don't have to be an expert in healthcare. You just have to pay attention to people who know what are the most pressing issues. You know, what would be the biggest payback if we had a breakthrough in this area? That's all you have to know. And if you're an entrepreneur, that's entrepreneur language. I mean, entrepreneurs they don't have to be expert in any particular area. All they have to do is know what would be the biggest breakthrough and what's the biggest opportunity here. And then you say, well, who knows something about this? Who's really gifted at this? Who's really gifted? And that's the who who does And All you have to do is say, this is what I'd like to see. I said, if we achieve this and it got this and this and result, that'd be a big payoff. And huge institutions would fund millions and millions of dollars for that breakthrough because you're the who's bringing them the breakthrough. They don't even have to do this inside. They can just write a check to actually get the results of your breakthrough.
1: That's great. So in any industry, essentially, the role of the entrepreneur...
0: Yeah, you could do the same model in any industry. And it's kind of interesting because the models when the who not how like paul heiss and steve krein when they do it they create a universal growth model and you could study him you know you could go in and say i want to see what steve is doing i want to see what paul is doing here and he says i could just switch industries and probably set up the same thing and i'm just looking at the who's he has and i find the corresponding who's in the next industry
1: this is why i like this idea so much and by the way just between you and me, we actually started the writing process of the book today. How a <laughs> it's going to be so fun, so powerful, you know, because you're just diving so deep into this process and this concept, Dan, so that someone can get kind of a taste like, what is the core difference in this level of thinking, who not how thinking versus what people traditionally think of as just traditional entrepreneurship? You know what I mean? Like, I think people's mindsets about those two things are totally different.
0: Yeah, essentially, the who not how, after you go about two or three steps with it, you know, we have, a destination for all of our strategic coach clients, and it's called having a free zone frontier. And a free zone frontier is where you're doing things so collaboratively that you actually escape from competition because none of the competition acts collaboratively, you know. The problem with entrepreneurs is they mimic corporations, okay, and every little entrepreneur wants to be a big CEO, you know, a little CEO. And they acquire, well, I have to have levels of management and, you know, and I have to have people I delegate to. But who not how is not delegation. It's very, very interesting because we have 17 coaches besides me and the strategic coach. And the very first coach is a man by the name of Russell Schmidt. Next January, he will have been coaching for us 25 years. So when I brought out Who Not How, the first time I brought the idea out, he was one of the first people to get it because the coaches get it right away. And he took it back, and immediately he saw all of a sudden people were delegating. But before this, they weren't delegating. He said, you know, since I've been coaching them, I said, well, you know, you have to delegate. And they're all like Dustin Hoffman in The Rain Man. They said, definitely got to delegate, absolutely got to delegate. But they don't delegate. And the reason is because delegate is... A horrible how for an entrepreneur.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's the how that they don't want to do that they're passing down to someone, right?
0: Well, it's worse than a normal how because now I got to figure out how someone else who's not as good as me is going to replace me. And that means I have to manage this person. Now I have to motivate them. Now I have to monitor the management. And you're doubling down on the how you have to do. And now now you're moving from being an entrepreneur and being a front stage person who actually goes out and creates opportunities. And now you're bogged down. And that person in the normal course of events is not as good as you. And the parts of it you don't like, they don't like it either. They don't actually like it either. So you've doubled down the difficulty and frustration of it, but you've also got a good chance of doubling down on the negativity of the whole area of activity. And you can see governments. It's not that the person who is getting the work loves it. It's just that they get a little extra pay, they get a promotion or something like that, and instead of working 40 hours a week, now they have to work 55 hours a week. You know, it's not a reward. Who Not How does a completely different So instead of going down, you're actually going up to someone who is incredibly better at this. And this is their reason for being on the planet, you know, any (laughs) opportunity you get. This is why they were born into this world to actually just perform at an incredible level. And you don't have to know how they do it. The reason why they're better than you. Yeah, you
1: you don't want to know how the sausage is made.
0: (laughs) No, I actually don't. I don't want to know how you get there. I say, I'm depending that you know all sorts of things about how to get there that I can't even imagine. I could never master those skills. So it's an immediately increase of freedom on the part of the entrepreneur, okay? It's not an added burden, it's just the opposite burden. And the person who's the great who is self-managing, self-motivating, and they're self-monitoring. They've got their own scale. They just want to know the what and why they can direct their superb skills to.
1: This is so amazing. So, <laughs> so if, if someone is walking into entrepreneurship, whether they've never started a team before or whether they've had a big team, who not how is not thinking in terms of I've got to find these employees and get this thing running. It's literally finding. So who not how is when you're hiring an employee from a who not how perspective, you're not hiring someone to do a task. I mean, you're hiring them to do a task, but you see them as an incredible who that you're collaborating with rather than someone you're essentially hiring, right? It's more of a teammate perspective, even though you are hiring them. It's more of a team process where they're doing what they love doing, what they're put on this planet to do. So it's different from looking at a typical employee perspective, right?
0: Yeah, well, it's teamwork. I mean, it's teamwork. And when you think about teamwork, every individual is uniquely crucial to the overall teamwork you know they're not a disposable part that you can get at Office Depot you know that you can't buy this at Office Depot because it's their skill combined with your vision that actually creates the performance and usually something brand new gets created out of it that uh, no one else has ever done like the move into India you know with Paul Heiss that process had never been created before so he's created a brand new success process that he can duplicate in other countries. But the other thing is that other corporations or other entrepreneurs can learn from his method. He's providing them with a game plan on how to get into an entirely different market, different culture, everything about India. I mean. India is closer to China than they're closer to the United States. But culturally, from the way the Indians think, they're actually closer to Americans than they are to Chinese. You know, So they work well with Americans because they kind of like Americans. Plus, English is their working language. So there's a lot of pluses, but it's a beautiful thing. Now, I, I want to tell you something. I had a phenomenal breakthrough. And... <laughs> it happened on Tuesday, and I've shared it with one, two, three, four workshops, two of them coached by other coaches. So it was a issue that came up in my free zone frontier, which is the top frontier. And I said, you know, all of you I've noticed to get here had to do two things really well is you had to simplify something. So you had to have breakthroughs to have something unique to sell in the marketplace. I said, on the other hand, you had to be multipliers because you had to take that simplified solution and actually get it out to other people. So I would say, everybody here, you've had to both simplify and multiply, and I just want you to identify three successes that you've had doing that. So they did that, and they got really excited, and everybody wanted to talk about this. And I said, okay, so if you could give up one of them right now, because you've earned your right now to make a decision, you know yourself, you've had a lot of success, you got yours under your belt. If you could choose one, simplifier, multiplier, and you could devote 100% to simplification, what multiplier would you have to have who could be a 100% multiplier, and you wouldn't have to think about it because they'd be so good at it? And people said, well, you can't make that choice. And I said, okay. So I did a little exercise where they role played on paper first and then they share it with you, where they were the 100% simplifier and they go through and I said, okay, now what's the 100% multiplier have to look like? And what's that 100% multiplier have to do? And then they role played on paper that they were the 100% multiplier and what does the 100% simplifier have to do? So it's an identification of an incredible who who can do an incredible how. And what's really, really interesting, they could write one of the role plays, but they couldn't write the other role play. And we had 29 people in the room, and 15 of them were simplifiers, and 14 of them were multipliers. And within a space of four or five hours, there were already eight or nine collaborations that were established, just because they knew that they were the simplifier, and the other person was a multiplier. And Babs was in the room, And I said, for example, I'm a simplifier. If I hadn't met Babs, I'd be working on version 50 of the strategy circle. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I'd be renting... And I'd probably be slightly inebriated all the time. And I said, Babs is the multiplier of strategic coach. She's the one who created the team. She's the one who took us from one-on-one coaching to workshop coaching. She's the one who took us from Toronto to three other cities in Canada. She's the one who took us into the US market. She's the one who took us into the UK market. She's the one who created the whole idea of associate coaches. And I said, I wouldn't be anywhere. I mean, I'd be a, a really smart kind of guy working away in my apartment, you know, and everything like that. But on the other hand, Babs wouldn't know what to multiply if she hadn't met me. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, so one of the things you talk about with Who Not How is, is that you've got an innovation of some sort, whether it's a concept, a product or something. And, then you, yeah. and so is part of simplification... In a lot of ways, that's making people's lives better. That's a product or a concept, right? Why is simplification so important?
0: Well, because all the problems in a particular area that exist in the marketplace is because of increased complexity that's overwhelmed previous solutions. Okay. The reason is just some basic facts. I was born in 1944, and the world population is three and a half times what it was when i was born since i was born 75 years ago the population went from 2.2 billion to almost 8 billion then technology and it's not just like it was it's not 7.8 million 1944 people it's you know it's 7.8 billion 2020 people and they're armed with cell phones, and there's just this exponential growth of complexity in the world, so something that might have been a useful process or a useful solution five years ago was probably designed not to deal with this level of complexity, okay? And this is why entrepreneurism is the model for the future because no bureaucracy can actually respond quickly enough. And who, not how, it would never be an accepted concept inside because you're losing control. You're giving control over, you know, somebody else is being a hero and you're not being a hero. I mean, (laughs) and and you can't have equal pay because some people's who is superstar status and you, you have to pay for the going price for somebody in the who. That calls for an entrepreneurial network solution. You can't have a bureaucratic pyramid solution for that type of thing.
1: You know, what's so funny about this. So, so first off, I'm going to just read directly from the small who not how book. And this is literally from the introduction. It says the level of confusion in society and in people's personal lives has grown over time and it's becoming harder and harder to figure out what to focus one's life on. Complexity is constantly growing, spurred by exponential growth in technology and the only solution for greater complexity. is The reason I think this is interesting is coming out of a PhD program, which, you know, academia is very bureaucratic anyways, is, is that the goal is actually complexity. And so what you're saying, from what I'm understanding, given the rise of complexity and confusion in people's lives, is that good business and the role of innovation in a good entrepreneur is to create simplicity, which allows for greater freedom. I mean, that's the role of an entrepreneur is that's the breakthrough, right, is taking complexity and making it simple, right, in some way or another.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing is there are people whose specialty is simplification. And I'm a simplifier. And People say, well, but how can that be? In the Colby profile, you're a 10 Quick Start. I said, I'm a 10 Quick Start simplifier. And I know 10 Quick Start multipliers, okay?
1: Totally, totally, yeah. I mean, the multiplying is just a different skill set, Yeah, right?
0: Yeah, We have two partners in the 10 Times program, a man and a woman, and they're in the healthcare business, and they show companies how to actually create their own self-insured healthcare plan, it's actually a mechanism, so this is their real goal. And I had them do a moving future, which is a tool in the strategic coach program. So they did, you know, last 90 days, these were my winning achievements. Right now, these are the things that really have momentum, I'm really excited about it. And next 90 days, these are the things I'm really motivated about, you know? And they each talked for about five minutes, and each of them had about seven or eight items on each three columns, and the one who's the simplifier, they were all simplification wins, they were all simplification momentum, they were all simplification motivation, and hers were all multiplier wins, and it was so funny because you could just tell where their excitement level is in terms of the results they're getting out in the world, and the one wouldn't even be interested in what the other one is doing, but they're partners, and so, Every jump and multiplication requires a new level of simplification, okay? Every time you have a simplification breakthrough, it opens the possibility of a new multiplication.
1: (laughs) And multiplication is about scaling the new simplification, right? Yeah,
0: these are yin and yang. You know, I mean, you say, well, which is the most important? I said, it's yin and yang. You got to have both. But both sides have to be continually refreshed by the other.
1: So when you simplify something... The process of multiplying and scaling it then creates new things to simplify, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's never ending. I mean, it's never ending. And, you know, the cultures that encourage this type of activity and actually reward the type of skills that would contribute to this type of activity. And I think the States is just the number one on the planet, you know. So I have this thing about the gro- <laughs> the growing of the frontier from 1600 to 1890, the actual geographic. It just required simplifiers and multipliers all the way across because you broke open new territory and then you had to have towns. You know, Then it became a multiplier for new types of trade, new types of skills, and gradually you had to put through roads, you had to put through railroads, you had to take advantage of the river system. And so there was movement back and forth between Entirely new kind of simplifier and new multiplier skills, and you can't do one without the other. The U.S. Constitution is an incredible simplifier because it's just this is the operating system of how the federal government operates, and a duplicate, a fractal copy of the federal system has to be in every state you have a president in the federal, you got a governor, you got a legislature here, you got a Senate, you got a Congress, all the rules. It's a duplicate, everything. The U.S. is the simplest operating system of any country in the history of the world. And that's why the U.S. cannot only deal with massive amount of complexity, but it can produce massive amount of complexity that overwhelms the rest of the world.
1: (laughs) Well, what I like about this, there's so many interesting components of this. One, I'm just thinking about this podcast and about how we're recording a podcast that's multiplying into a book. This podcast has multiple components, but one of the things that's interesting about what you're describing is it's the same way that an individual can increase their capacity. So like, for example, you as a human being, you know, when you get to a new level, for example, you create the new program, the Free Zone Frontier program. You now have to figure out how to simplify it so that when people come up to that level, they can, you know, and then you as a person now, like you have like 150 people on your team And you've learned with that much complexity how to simplify your own role Mm -hmm. within that new complexity. So every time you evolve to a new level as a person or as a business, you then have to think about Mm -hmm. you know, you have to boil down what is the essence in this new system. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, our relationship is like that because you're a multiplier writer, you're a multiplier packager, you're a multiplier connector you know, you're a multiplier networker, you know, all I have to do is simplify in the service of what Ben would get really, really excited about.
1: Yeah. So if someone's a multiplier, would you say that as a visionary entrepreneur, I mean, obviously you could be both, but I'm wondering, cause you're a simplifier and that's very attractive to multipliers. Oh yeah. Would you say that multipliers are very attractive? So multipliers on the same token are very attracted to simplify. Yeah, yeah. They want to multiply whatever the great idea, that's why they're drawn to the vision, right? So in a lot of ways, the vision is the simplification. Well, the
0: thing is, what do you naturally go towards? If you were left to your own devices, what would you naturally go to? A multiplier doesn't naturally go to a simplifier. The multiplier goes to greater multiplier capabilities. A simplifier goes to greater simplifier versions, you know? And I said if I was on version 50 of the strategy circle, it's just a thought, it's just a thought, you know? You just think a thought for 10 seconds and you get the vision, opposition, transformation, action, you know, it's almost done. But my natural tendency left to my own devices, I'm attracted to simplifying something. Okay.
1: So you're going to keep simplifying the same thing over and over, but if you collaborate with a multiplier, then it can keep cheap, then it can keep changing. The
0: multiplier creates new situations that I have to simplify,
1: <laughs> which then creates innovations in what you would simplify. Yeah,
0: and our team Tucker is a proven multiplier. I mean, he multiplied hundreds and hundreds of best sellers all around the world. Reed Tracys, he's a total multiplier. He knows how to multiply you know, authors. You know,
1: they've sold 250 million books through Hay House in the last 20 or 30 years since yeah. he's been there.
0: Yeah, and he he loves it. You can just see it. So you needed another multiplier beyond your multiplier. Tucker's got strategic packaging and strategic marketing of books down to a simplified thing. You know, you can kind of watch his enthusiasm when he talks about it, and it doesn't have to be his simplifier because he's the multiplier. He just knows how to get there.
1: Well, what I like about this is that both pieces of the vision are essential. Like My excitement about working with you is taking the simplified, most amazing who-not-how idea and multiplying it. So what excites my who-ness of the vision is multiplying it. And you're obviously excited about the multiplication as well. You want the book to go out there and reach millions of people. But you're also excited about providing the simplified concept to all these entrepreneurs. Well,
0: and the other thing we want to have the book go out there that simplifies our bringing of new entrepreneurs. People and a coach. Entrepreneurs. I've got a simple <laughs> model that's more or less the same as it was in 1989. But if I could simple the process of people finding out about us, as Joe Polish says, of being already pre-motivated, pre-qualified to actually come into the program so that instead of us phoning them, they're phoning us simply because of the work that you're doing.
1: Well, you know what this makes me realize too is, is that simplifiers do so well with multipliers because multipliers have because of the due nature of multiplication. For example, you know, you and I have talked. I've I've had hundreds of thousands of people go through my podcasts and even I mean not podcasts <laughs> through my through my webinars. And because I've had such scale at that, I've had to figure out how to simplify it. You know, and so then some. You know, you get a who who's been dealing with a lot of multiplication and had to learn how to simplify their systems, and someone who wants to. That's why finding the right who's is so essential is because they've already simplified what to you would be complexity,
0: right? (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to pay you and Tucker and Reed the greatest compliment I can give is that when I'm not actually dealing with you, I never give you a thought.
1: I am so grateful for
0: that. <laughs> I never give you a thought. And, you know, I'm not sitting I, I wonder what Ben's doing. You know, is he is he working on my stuff today? I mean, is he getting it right? I mean, I have to tell you, once we hit the switch, and the reason is because I am so trusting in the activities of yourself, because I've worked with you most, but also Tucker and Reed, that... I don't want to have to think about this at all because I want to think about what's crucial to me, you know?
1: When you keep simplifying and enhancing coach, which is going to enhance my ability to simplify. Yeah. I mean, one thing that's really exciting about what you just described is is that Reed Tracy, Tucker Max, me, you, all of us have shared interest in this same vision. And so I'm just as excited about what this vision is going to do for myself and for coach you know that that's a good who <laughs> when like they're just as motivated for the yeah. vision as you are. Yeah. You know, you're the one that came up with the vision to some degree mm-hmm. and based on your stuff, but mm-hmm. I am just as committed to the vision as you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And the thing is that if you went out, you know, and one of our other concepts at the free zone frontier is that it totally motivates you and fascinates you now, but if it exploded by a thousand times and it was 25 years later you would even be more motivated and fascinated, you know? So it's like true north on the compass. You don't have to worry about, you know, getting off course over a 25 year period. And we don't know what other capabilities will be added to this. We don't know what other multiplier, what other simplifiers are gonna be added to the process, but you never do. I haven't since I started coaching in 45 years ago. I haven't since we started the workshop program 30 years ago it's always a surprise I mean I didn't go into this week thinking that I was going to come up with this concept but there it was on Tuesday and it popped out and it wasn't even what we were planning to do for the day it just popped out and then by the end of the week it's a whole new thing you know
1: <laughs> and eventually it might be a small book who knows where it evolves to oh will be <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's actually the book, book after next. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. See, that's the, I'm just going to say it right now as a who, who's attracted to Dan Sullivan's work. One of the reasons why I love Dan's work is that it, it's never ending. Dan is not someone who continues to teach the same speech that he's been giving for 30 years. It's so fun to work with a who, who is nonstop creative. And, and I've known you now for two and a half years or so like that. And I have seen an enormous amount of creativity and innovation in your thinking and in strategic coach as a whole. I mean, before, you know, you've completely revolutionized so much of what you do and it just keeps growing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's why you just never know where it's going to go. But I think one of the reasons for that, Dan, and you wrote the book, you know, wanting versus needing, you know what I mean? Is that you talk about when you're a wanter and you just do what you want, you can't necessarily predict where it's going to take you, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean,
0: the thing is that this is pure entrepreneurism because it doesn't lie in the realm of existing solutions, you know. We're not here conforming ourselves to existing solutions, you know. We're just saying, well, if you want to be free from having to conform to other people's solutions, you have to create brand new solutions, you know. They have to be new solutions. And some of them, I mean, you can just see in the world of technology over the last, 20 years that how the activities that people are spending five or six hours of their life in 2020 didn't even exist 20 years ago you know and they consider it completely normal any latest cell phone has more computing power than half the world had 20 years ago you know And it's all connected with each other. People are, you know, they're sitting there with their cell phone. Come on, come on, come on, you know, and it's one second late. You know, it's one second late, (laughs) you know, and they're already bored with it. They're already irritated with the new capability. But it would have been extraordinary even to visualize it 20 years ago. But now it's a source of grievance and annoyance, you know, and that just shows you. I mean, it's not just an entrepreneurial activity. It's everybody's activity.
1: Exciting. Well I have to jump, but yeah. I'm gonna be with you in two days. Just to
0: wrap up on Please, yep, let's do it. I mean for you, you know, what's happened to your thinking, you know, just because I gave you a couple examples yeah. and, and yeah? these are the people, you know, who will be interviewed for the book. So I'm just lining up the interviews for you and when you come in two days from later I'll have five little sketches with five people And I've seen them all within the last week, and I've already talked to them about doing this, so they're real excited about doing it. But what you're gonna notice that the uniqueness of them is coming out in how they do their who not how.
1: Well, it's perfect to get as many who not how scenarios as possible to provide different prescriptive strategies for people and applying it to their own situation.
0: Yeah. So it's gonna be exciting. Yeah, and I'm so excited because I was having my thought, well, do we introduce this whole new thought? And I said, when it comes up, you introduce it, you know, you introduce it. So invent it on Tuesday and you're already probably going to be writing about it. A, <laughs>
1: we better just do an ink article about it immediately. If it's not, <laughs> Yeah.
0: Well, we got to multiply it. Yeah, but all coach <laughs> concepts are connected to all the other coach concepts. So it doesn't really matter, you know, it doesn't really matter.
1: Yep, that's one of the beauties of code is how aligned and internally consistent it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just a, a sheer pleasure and I was happy I could communicate this new insight as fast as I could to you because I know what you I, I know what you'll do with it.
1: <laughs> I'll multiply it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dan, have an amazing day.
0: Thanks, Ben. See you.